Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Elmore Leonards. I'm your co-host, Al Harris, along with my brother, Drew, and my dad, Ken. We're here to celebrate all things Elmore Leonard, the man, the myth, the Dickens of Detroit. Uh, many of his novels have been turned into films, and this episode we're reviewing the 2013 movie Life of Crime, based off Elmore's novel The Switch, published in 1978. Um, so to set up the episode... Uh, I'm just going to take a moment to set the scene with a synopsis of the movie, uh, so you're kind of in the headspace as we talk, uh, and I'm just taking this off of Wikipedia because that works, I guess. <laughs> so, Life of Crime is a 2013 American black comedy crime film written and directed by Daniel Schechter, based on Elmore Leonard's novel The Switch from 1978. Uh, which includes characters later revisited in his novel Rum Punch, which was adapted into a Quentin Tarantino film, Jackie Brown. Life of Crime was screened on the closing night of the 2013 Toronto International Film Festival, etc., etc. Okay. Uh, as far as the plot goes, in Detroit 1978, stoic socialite Mickey Dawson becomes the target of an ill-planned kidnapping plot by a pair of fumbling ex-cons, Ordell Roby and Louis Gara, looking for a get-rich-quick scheme. However, things become complicated for the duo when her, healthy, her wealthy husband, Frank, refuses to pay the ransom as he is on the cusp of filing for, divor filing for divorce to make way for his mistress, Melanie Ralston. The two kidnappers have to figure out how to quickly turn the tables before their time runs out. So the cast is Jennifer Aniston as Mickey Dawson, Yazim Bey, a.k.a. Most Def, as Ordell Roby, Isla Fisher as Melanie, Will Forte as Marshall Taylor. Uh, it's got Mark Boone Jr. as the sort of comic relief Nazi gun nut. And Tim, Rob Tim Robbins plays the wealthy husband. So that gives you kind of like an idea of what uh, the film is about. Uh, because when we start talking to, to it, we just get right into it. Uh, and because the movie does uh, such a uh, does a pretty decent job of portraying Detroit in the 70s, uh, I had our dad, Ken, tell us what it was like working in and around Detroit during that period. This is to, this is to get us just a little further set up for the movie. I think you'll like it. So that's that's what you'll hear uh, directly following this little intro is just a little interview uh, with my dad talking about you know what late 70s Detroit was like uh, and then right after that will be the movie reviewing segment uh, as always thanks for listening like and subscribe uh, we do have a gmail set up uh, it's Elmore Leonard's podcast at gmail.com so that's E-L-M-O-R-E L-E-O-N-E-R-D-S podcast at gmail.com. Uh, so send us a line. Let us know your thoughts. And thanks for listening. I really started working in Detroit in uh, 80. Okay. They closed the IMA in 79. Okay. Uh and before I'd worked a few times, but okay. nothing in. And the, the thing I noticed about Detroit, I'd been sent to Detroit to get stuff. Van Bo's costumes, I got 
costumes for uh, the Christmas show. Okay. We used to go down and get a whole van load. Uh, in fact, uh, Tony Perry and I were returning them. And they were uh, like paper mache heads that you put over your whole head. Yeah. They weren't just a mask. It was mm-hmm. a whole head thing. And then there was a costume to go to it. And the van we were taking the stuff back in had a bad door on the back. And we hit a bump and the door opened and, and four or five of the heads rolled out. And so I had to pull over. We're on the expressway. I had to pull over. And we ran down the expressway grabbing these things before cars and cars are swerving and dodging them. And we get them. And I put one on to help me carry it. So you want to see something funny. People driving by and going, because I had like, I don't know, Mickey Mouse or somebody, yeah. you know. <laughs> Running back, oh, it was the seven dwarfs. So I oh, had nice. my, I had Goofy or our, uh, yeah, uh, the dumb one, you know, the right. big eared one. And uh, so that yeah. was it. Once we got back dumb. in the van and, and tied the doors closed, <laughs> we left two heads on and we just oh, drove the rest God. away and would look at, they'd get up next to us when we turn and look at it. <laughs> so we had Who a lot was of fun. Tony Perry. Tony Perry, nice. yeah. Nice. Uh, now of Arizona. Right. Uh, but I noticed that, remember the riots? We're in 1967, 68, right? So this is 10 years later. Yeah. The the place where the riots took place was still fenced off and was just an empty lot uh, that had been bulldozed. And uh, you could see a driveway or a cement slab or something, Mm -hmm. but that was it. And it had a fence around it. Yeah. Uh, so they didn't let people just hang out there. Yeah. You know, it it didn't even become a banking lot. Wow. <laughs> um, and you were, were you, would you work opera house or things like that? Yeah. Let's see. What did I start off with? Uh, I, I, uh, we went, there, there wasn't an opera house. The opera okay. took place at Masonic temple for half of the season. Okay. And at the Fisher, was it the Fisher was it Masonic temple? I think it was the Fisher. Okay. And we would do a half a season there and a half a season at Masonic Temple. And, uh, of course, the Opera Warehouse, I don't know if it's 78, but very shortly, or right around that time, yeah. was at the old Packard plant, which is okay. famous for its uh, ghetto porn, you know. The, yeah. the sh- <laughs> let me show you yeah. what Detroit yeah, looks yeah, like yeah, now. Exactly. So it was all these big factories yeah, like, that were just abandoned, yeah. windows broken. Yeah, Mid- and- Mid-90s and late-90s and early 2000s, they'd have raves. Yeah, Detroit was. Uh, so the deal was, uh, Dean and I would go down. We we went. The opera had, you know, taken over one of these big uh, former factories, mm-hmm. and we built sets and and okay. uh, uh, mostly Dean and I built the things. They would rent an opera from somebody, Frisco okay. or Houston or wherever, okay. and it would come in, and then there would be pieces missing, like a set of steps mm-hmm. because steps were generic. They didn't send the steps with the show. Okay. They saved them for their next show. Okay. Because they, they were their steps. But the show was the show. So it would come in if it needed steps. Dean and I would build them. Build, yeah. You know, and then and whatever they needed. Right. I mean, we did all kinds of crazy stuff. Right. And, uh, yeah. You figured out the formula for perfect fake beer. Right. I did. Us, I, right? Yeah. <laughs> in Dayton, I, I uh, perfected that. Oh, okay. Uh, I got sent there okay. uh, to, to do... Uh, the 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 Denver the mine uh, I can't remember the the name of it it was a, a woman she survived the uh, the Titanic oh, okay uh, the unsinkable Molly Brown 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> and it was this, uh, it was this, uh, uh, Colorado was a silver mine. Okay. That she purchased. Okay. Uh, it was so, so it was a, whole, a play about that. Uh, yeah, it was okay. a whole story about her life. Okay, what a what a crazy life she had. Nice. Uh, which I could look that up. Uh, and so yeah, the the of course all the old timers were still around then, and uh, uh, so you're still doing just freelancing. Yeah, yeah, to keep your head yeah. head down. Oh yeah. yeah, I wasn't. I was still years and years away from the whiting, and. Uh, uh, that, but I made some, uh, you know, uh, guys that are still my buddies, mm-hmm. you know, uh, John Winling. Yeah. Because uh, uh, I ran into those guys early on. And uh, Detroit, you know, it was actually better then. <laughs> as bad as it was. Yeah. Uh, it, well, it kind of hit a slump. It just kept getting worse and worse. Mm-hmm. Now, hard to say. Uh, you know, they lost, they're just like Flint. They lost a bunch of work, right? Factories closed and, and whatnot. And of course they have uh, a much larger corruption problem than we did. Although we had our own, uh, but they, uh, have you ever seen white boy, Rick? Someone has told me about it. You know, the, they documentary, they actually, you know, he, he knew too much and and they just messed with the police messed with him. Hmm. They took him out. They put him in prison. He's still trying to get out, I think. Yeah. Uh, and he was innocent. I mean, he was he was a, you know, a little punk drug dealer guy. Right. But he didn't do the things that they accused okay. him of. They, okay. they made it a lot worse to get him off the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he knew too much. I mean, he had Coleman Young. Okay. You know, those guys were all in on all that stuff. Okay. All right. Um, working where you worked in Detroit or Flint or whatever, it gives you kind of a very unique view of the city that you're in mainly because it's late at night sometimes yeah. when you're working right and well, alleys you're literally working in the alley at the loading dock loading right. in and out of shows right the fisher yeah. is the famous uh, wind tunnel uh, alley that you can't hardly work there if the wind's blowing because yeah. it gets so <laughs> dang cold and uh and of course the masonic as you were loading or unloading uh the hookers are walking just outside the parking <laughs> lot back and forth there's a bar there that that uh, one of the Brock, the old, the Brock dad mm-hmm. always whenever he knew the hookers by name. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and I don't think that he used them, but he just was he hung right. out at the bar a lot, right. you know? <laughs> and, uh, so that was crazy. And uh, you know, the Masonic, I guess it's still going. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, w- I went and saw Nick cave and the bad seeds. Right. Like a year uh, ago. Yeah. It's still going, uh, which is amazing to me. Uh, and my one movie, because it's glory I'm- is gone. It's yeah. no longer the Masonic temple. I mean, it's called that. But the Masons, I don't think they meet there anymore. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and of course, back then, you know, they they uh, there was uh, things coming up missing, and they would hear stuff and, and things happening, and they kept uh, saying the state chains were stealing stuff and all this. And uh, turned out there was a homeless guy living in there, okay. and he had collected keys. Okay. And he had <laughs> keys that they found his keys. They found his whole setup. Yeah. He was up. Ever how many floors up and he found a room and he had a key to it yeah. and he would lock it Yeah. when he left and he would sneak in and out of the Masonic temple and he had this whole thing and he, he had a collection. He had a hot plate. He had, yeah. you know, blankets, all that. He was completely set up. Uh, Drew, are you taking notes? I know you like that. <laughs> <laughs> homeless. Uh, I have some <laughs> contingency plans. Yep. Yeah. 
most of which include 24-hour gyms and yep. storage units. Drew's and famous, famous for having it all thought out. Yeah. But uh, take note, Drew. Yeah. Actually, the if you can afford it, the storage unit's a good way to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, you know, as long as you get, you know, the, the ones that are temperature controlled, temperature. you get, you know, extension cord to run stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, but nowadays with, you know, portable solar panels, I mean, you could charge your phone, you go to a library for internet and to print stuff out. See? You know, See? It's, there's ways. what I did. It's Everything you need. Drew's in his natural state. Talking about libraries are free. <laughs> open like very late usually uh 24 hour gyms for showers brushing your teeth shave i mean there's i mean you can get your cardio in too there's all kinds of benefits uh i know you were famous for having all sorts of cars in 78 can you remember what car you were driving hmm. wasn't the al camino <laughs> i was trying i wondered if it was the al camino Let's see. Uh, Sorry, I said Al Camino. I meant to say Al Camino. So. <laughs> uh, the, when was the Al Camino? I got that was our era. Yeah. I, uh, because when your mom and I got divorced, uh, she was forced to drive the El Camino because <laughs> when it was it your wasn't, turn to have us, it wasn't yeah. large enough to fit <laughs> you guys in. So, and it gave her a lifelong hatred of El Camino. <laughs> that is true. It actually belonged to Moke Jewett. Okay. Or no, it belonged to Wendy. That's what it was. Okay. Wendy had the print shop. And he was married to Peggy by then. Okay. And he had a print shop. And that was the print shop's pickup truck. Right. Okay. <laughs> and they put stuff that couldn't get wet in it. Yeah. Though, you know. Yeah. So he was getting rid of it and I bought it. And then when I got rid of it, I sold it to Moak. Okay. And Moak used it for one job. He had some stuff to haul to the junkyard and it died. <laughs> and I said, oh, man, I'm sorry. You know, I'll give you your money back. He went, no, no, no. He says it was worth it. I went, oh my God, 50 bucks or something. Oh, sure. Because the thing was, you know. And uh, uh, and he said, no, I had that stuff to haul to the junkyard, and I got it there, and it was worth 50 bucks. <laughs> so that was the end of the Camino. But that was later, you're, you're guessing. Right. Well, that's, yeah, that. 78. Probably right. would it be the same car that you took to Vegas and back? Uh, Might have been. Let's see, 75. Yeah, it probably was, which okay. was a... Uh, a, let's see, what year was that? I think it was a 1968 Chevrolet Biscayne uh, four-door, but it was the, the double post. Okay. Uh, so the front door had a, a post and then a, a wrap around around the whole window. Okay. So where the window slid up and down. Mm -hmm. Now, in later versions of all that, they they had one post for both windows. All right. Yeah. And uh, uh, this one, double post, it had two posts. So uh, both doors had their own thing where they shared one mm -hmm. uh, later. And uh, my neighbor, Jim McGrantz, uh said, uh, you know, I gave the car to my sister who left it parked on the street with the expired license plate and they towed it. So I got notified because it was still in my name because she couldn't afford it, you know. And then, right. of course, because I didn't have it, I didn't realize the tag had expired and right. all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So she said, well, they the car's gone. I don't know. Somebody stole it. And then I got a notice that it was <laughs> it in was the pound. It's in the impound. So I went and bought it out. And I sat it in the, in the yard. And uh, I might have even put a for sale sign on it in preparation of taking it somewhere where people would see it. And uh, Jim came over and he said, uh, 
how much you want for it? I said, well, it's, you know, it is what it is. It's, you know, it had well over a hundred thousand miles and, mm -hmm. and, you know, and he said, well, uh, he had one and the door was impossible to find oh, wow. because it was double post. Double post. Wow. And he said, uh, you know, what do you got? You know, I think I said 50 bucks, yeah. you know, cause that's what, you know, you had an old junker car. Yeah. That's what you got. Hell, it had ball tires on it. And, uh, uh, he said, yeah, that's perfect. He said, and his brother owned a junkyard. So that's how rare that door was. Oh, just for the doors. Cause he yeah. owned a yeah. junkyard that, you know, so he took the car to his brother's junkyard and, uh, and just left it, took the door off and replaced the door on his, the one he had. And then I don't know what happened to it. Sure. Yeah. You know, after that. All right. All right. Yeah. Um, and Drew, Drew will like knowing this in 1978, uh, what a fool believes came out. And you said Ronnie Baker was a huge. Oh, he was fan. Michael McDowell. Yeah. McDonald. Uh, McDonald. <laughs> he could impersonate him. Yeah. <laughs> what a fool believes, you know, he could yeah. do all that stuff. He, yeah, he, he, so that was probably in the soundtrack of, oh yeah, seventy eight. Oh yeah, in and out of the living room. Sure, uh, Doobie Brothers were huge then. You couldn't yeah. go in a bar anywhere in the country and wait fifteen minutes, you'd hear a Doobie Brothers song. One, yeah. one of many. Yeah, uh, huge bar band, and then they just poof disappeared. Uh, and not even a revival, you know, yeah. not even a yeah. a reunion tour, you know. Yeah, and. Uh, so I think they had a guitar player named Skunk. Skunk Baxter. Yeah, Skunk Baxter. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping to hear a little more Yacht Rock in uh, Life of Crime, but yeah. I think we get a little bit at the end with uh, Lewis when he takes Mickey back to his place and they have pizza and a beer. There might be a little bit of soft rock in the background, but because of the 78, I was hoping they'd throw a little yeah. Fool Believes, but <laughs> it's all good. I guess that's just that. It was what you were thinking, what you were believing, and that being what a fool believes that there'd be yacht rock in this sure. movie. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks, Dad. Thanks for um, taking us back to 1978 in preparation to letting our listeners uh, dive into Life of Crime because that's when that takes place 1978, Detroit. Yeah. Like it. Cool. All right, well, uh, stay tuned, and here is the rest of the episode. Starring Jennifer Aniston, uh, Most Defs, uh, a.k.a. Yazim Bey, and John Hawks, who you told me was in Deadwood, so Deadwood. I've, been, I've been watching Deadwood leading up to this. <laughs> So that's that's the that's been a treat to see him so young. Yes, <laughs> a Jewish hardware uh, yeah. proprietor. Yeah, I remember um, first seeing him in. Uh, it was uh, oh, uh, the Perfect Storm with uh, George Clooney. They go to the fishing. He's one of the oh, really? in that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Fisherman, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And then later I saw him in uh, American Gangster with Denzel Washington. Okay. Hmm. That's good. And he's got, he's from Austin. Oh, yeah. Nice. He, yeah. He moved to Austin and sort of did the McConaughey route where he went to 
UT Austin and did whatever production, but he had a band called King Straggler, just like a kind of a three piece alt country band. Mm. So he kind of went to Austin for acting and music. Um, and you see in the movie, he's playing the piano. And right, right. It's, I, I do like when, uh, you know, if there's actors that can play an instrument that they get to include that in a movie that they're in. Mm hmm. Like, uh, who is it? Harry Dean Stanton. Harry Dean Stanton always sang, always played the guitar. Uh, and and uh, Carroll uh, plays guitar in Stranger Than Fiction and sings a little. Yeah. And uh, his Will Ferrell's dad was like a session musician in the seventies. Yeah, I think Plus, it was the Almond Brothers or the Righteous like Brothers. I I don't remember which brothers' band it was. But yeah, his dad very different. Very, very different. Yeah. And uh, what you call it always dances the uh, more cowbell. Yeah, walking. Oh yeah, Christopher Walken always dances every movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's good. Um, what were the overall thoughts on Life of Crime? I liked it a lot. Yeah, Very, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Drew. I was saying, yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was. Um, I liked. I, I like any kind of caper film. So it's like a similar itch of uh, Jackie Brown. This is a little more of um, not as well organized. It kind of starts out, uh, they're doing some sort of, I don't know if it was planned entirely, but they're just trying to like provoke someone at a bar and then to like mug them after uh, Ordell Roby runs them down with his van. It's like, like, like kind of petty criminals, but like they're not quite put together as far as like a full fleshed out plan on, you know, the, the run the guy over and take his wallet. And then yeah, so I, I think kind of like not well put together. Right. I think that scene is um, to show how the two of them work together and to show that they actually, they are amateurs and they're not really, they really don't have the mindset of full on criminals, yeah. but they're just trying to make a living of, of what they can. Because what happened is he went into the bathroom and he got his wallet taken. John Hawk's character got his wallet taken by the pimp. So then he comes out and tells Ordell what happened. He said, try to get him in the middle of the street. And if not, just run. And so, so that, that I think shows, you know, how the two of them have been together from the beginning, because if you're going off of their characters and Jackie Brown, um, I feel like Lewis is, mild-mannered in Bo, right because uh de niro plays it so light small yeah very underplayed yeah and john hawks i think is just naturally that's just him right. where he's just pretty mild-mannered going along he's just a really nice guy and he's <laughs> trying to commit a crime <laughs> right um but it's yeah. almost like john hawks lewis gara is a pre-prison lewis yeah to where Robert De Niro has been through prison. He's out of prison. He just got. He's out. almost even quieter yeah. because of that. Even more mild mannered until he has to push it. And right. Until he. <laughs> we don't want. Yeah. We don't want to spoil that movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> things get rough. But yeah, and I do like both both of their iterations of the same character. I thought they were both did really well with it. And I liked both of, you know, Robert De Niro and John Hawks doing. Lewis. Yeah, and same day, same thing Lewis with Samuel L. and yeah, 
Yazin Bey doing or Delward. Yep. They don't lose the humor. This whole movie, I feel like, is a comedy first. And I feel like that is an Elmore Leonard book. Yeah. Is a comedy first with the trappings of crime, capers, deals that go wrong, weird right. characters, you know, villains that you root for. Right. That seems to be. Yeah. But there's humor just baked in the entire time. And right. that's what this movie gets right, for sure, for me. Yeah. It's, it's just like laugh out loud ridiculous. Yeah. And um, actually one of the reviews that I read on it, most of the reviews, one of them compared it to a Coen Brothers. Yeah. Like thinking that they're trying to do a Coen Brothers movie and they're like, well, it falls short because it doesn't have the usual Coen Brother twists and turns and things like that. But so they give them like medium reviews where it's like, it's, it's a good Good characters, good setting, but it doesn't go anywhere. But the one that I read was on RogerEbert.com. So right. it wasn't Roger Ebert reviewing it. It's, it's a guy that's from his yeah. school. And the very last, I wrote it down. The very last part of that review is um, perfect for the Leonard people. Meaning like <laughs> yeah. Elmore Leonard fans are going to love this movie. Yeah. But if you're not like an Elmore Leonard fan, it's just, it's like, it's, it's going to fall short. Like you're not going to get it yeah. or whatever. So that's how I felt about it. I don't know. What was the accuracy of 1978 Detroit? <laughs> you were there. That wasn't bad. Okay. Yeah, he's always good at that. Like okay. he says, don't describe, you know, the scene, mm -hmm. but he's, he's got those things down that. Oh, he's got the, the rhythm of the language and all that. Okay. What about the movie time? with cars and the clothing and the right? They, they tennis did, rackets. They did a great job on that. You know, they didn't. You didn't. You have to really look hard to find something that was out of place. The, okay. The uh, music was great. Music was good. That was really good. Right. Uh, all that soul. All the and well placed too. And it was interesting how, like you say, the characters were there. And it was actually four characters return. Mr. Walker actually that? appears in the, uh, he's the guy with the golf clubs. When oh, Ordell goes to Miami, okay. his muscle, he yeah. meets Mr. Walker. And Mr. Walker is the guy that tipped him to this um, guy hiding right. money in, okay. the, in the Bahamas. All right. Mr. Walker is the guy in Mexico. It's holding Ordell's money. Okay. All and right. Hangs up on him. Oh, okay. In Jackie Brown. In Jackie Brown. Okay. All right. So yeah, because we have Ordell Roby, Louis Gara, Melanie. Melanie. <laughs> and Mr. Walker. That's good. I like that. And um, yeah, I'm gonna have to put the explicit check mark on the on the app, but I'm about to curse here for the listeners at home. Both movies, Melanie says, wanna fuck. <laughs> there you go. So <laughs> Elmore is consistent. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought the the music selection was very Tarantino esque, where it's like, yeah, they did the work to find the B sides and the, right. the deep cuts. Yeah, that go perfect with the movie. Um, when I first saw when they're at the party with the golf championship or whatever 
Ray Shelby gets introduced. That name alone is such an Elmore Leonard name. Yeah. Anything where the name just goes well, Ordell Roby, Louis Gara, yeah. Ray Shelby. <laughs> I was thinking it was, I was thinking of Ray Nicolette. From, All right. From yeah. Jackie Brown. You know, that's what, that's I was like, oh, is that an ATF? Yeah, but no, it's it's a different. Yeah. It's Ray because Nicholas. Ray is a, is a character that returns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and also something that's part of the Elmore Leonard inclusion, I call it, is a Nazi character oh, right. in Metro Detroit, and right. that's just I feel a that's accurate, and b it's just so Elmore Leonard, it's Elmore Leonard with humor, like the <laughs> I know he's the comic relief, but that's the way it's written yeah like yeah um, and ordell roby being like that's my favorite one right there where it's like a some sort of anti-semitic sentiment but stitched in yeah (laughs) um it's like a cross stitch painting or something like that anyways Um, how did you guys watch this I was able to, uh, um, I found a, a place where I could stream it. Okay. I, would, like, I think it was one of the, one of the things like Amazon or Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. So prime has X-ray. Do you guys ever use that? So if you pause it, yeah, it'll, it'll tell you who's in the scene and then you can go deeper and it'll oh, wow. give you trivia and it'll oh. give you like what song is in I it. I didn't know about that. Or I definitely yeah. would use that. Yeah. I think so. Some of the trivia of it, pretty hilarious. Some of it we already covered, like who, who shows up in Jackie Brown. Right. Um, but some of them are um, like uh, when Marshall comes in, Will Forte's character, and there's music going on, but the record arm is at the very end. Right. Yeah, so he, it's like he played it's off that. or something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like that. For her. Uh, Thanks, actually. Speaking of the record, um, so so often in movies, the transition of time, they'll go from like an early morning steakhouse or early morning something. And then it's like not long later, but it's like night. And so it's like 16 hours have passed. But that's like the only mechanism for showing a passage of time that movies use seem like for the most part is, oh, if it's dark, it's now light. If it's light, it's now dark. Like even Lord of the Rings, like to demonstrate that that has been going on for a long time they'll all of a sudden it'll be the next shot will be like oh it's dawn now i'm like it just turned dark the previous <laughs> but what i liked here is they use music to show that the how much time has gone by because when uh will forte first shows up he gets he makes the drinks he puts on the record then he gets knocked out well then when we see him again he wakes up and the record is at the very end and it's just sitting there done so you're like okay it's at yeah. least been an entire side of a record and i prefer that than just like oh it's night now night and day yeah, yeah. how did you like him kicking the slats of the closet <laughs> that was, that was a nice touch yeah that was a nice where it's like oh we got him in this closet he's you know he's contained he just punches it it feels very <laughs> 70s yeah i wasn't expecting it yeah. at all <laughs> those types of uh home decor yeah. um well, it's like the suddenly he attacked his car with the shovel. Right, to make it seem like. And then, oh, yeah. so because he's got to explain the, the yeah. crack on his head. That subplot 
was great because yeah. there's this here's this hapless <laughs> oh he is totally hapless guy trying to do something cool for a change he's trying to do something you know with yeah. bravado and it just <laughs> he falls straight on his face and he's so he has to keep covering up and covering up and covering up and yeah because it no, shows it when he's uh you know pulled over by the fake police who's the nazi <laughs> guy he's oh, well, like yeah. i hit a deer when he's like asking why what's with that bandage on your head because his, his wife asks him and then uh so does uh you know the fake policeman yeah the nazi yeah well every every everything every time he tried to do something something went awry he's on the he gets into the payphone to call to try to find out what if he can, if something's happened to the Jennifer Aniston character. Yeah. And his family shows up and they're pounding on the door <laughs> and knocking and he is, yeah. Then he has to pretend to Right. To okay. Up. Thank you, sir. Thank you. No, you too. And he's talking to the <laughs> cop. Um, I had a sus suspicion that they were going to modernize it. Like it was going to be in modern times. So I was I was delighted when it was taking place yeah. in, in the seventies. In the seventies, yes. because um, I think it I think it's Birmingham is the suburb where they where mm -hmm. they are in the book at least. Right, because here they are semi prosperous. So, yeah. yeah. Country club. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm I'm trying to remember reading it because th this is the next one I read after reading Rum Punch and wanting to know more. And yeah. I like the Leonard doesn't he retcons some of it, but it doesn't have to be a complete universe. Right. Where you know he's gonna reuse some of the characters, but he's not obsessed about it, you know, and yeah. like in the now Marvel universe where everything is connected and oh, yeah. <laughs> making these Well, I first encountered that in with Kurt Vonnegut. Okay. Kurt Vonnegut repeated characters. Okay. And he was like that. Kilgore like Trout, right? Kilgore Trout was yeah. one of his reoccurring. Okay. Uh, and But he, I mean, he had a lot of them. But yeah. And once again, it was just like, it was kind of like a toss off. Right. He, he, I'm not going to like, yeah. You know, oh, I need to put this guy in. No. He, right. And I need to do a fit. Yeah. He showed up. Right. <laughs> I need to do a mini series with this guy and a yeah. spinoff and stuff. But yeah, yeah I think for, for, for Elmore, he's just trying to find a character that fits the part. And if he's already created a character, yeah, the, we'll see if he the continuing, didn't kill him off. Yeah, the continuing adventures is what yeah. I always thought. Yeah. Um, one, I don't know if this was on purpose, but when they're in the kidnapping portion and he's wearing a mouse mask and he says, not a peep, I thought... <laughs> That's just it gave me a like a good sustained giggle during that time. <laughs> um yeah, these are this was a good one. Yeah. Um it was very, very close to the book. Uh not much deviation. Right. Where most of them are deviated. Right. Because he was not a guy that cared. Right. Now you bought the book, it's yours. Right. And it'll make the movie you want. I made yeah. the book I want. Right. And uh, and I kind of like that they they followed. I don't know what the you know Tarantino's treatment of Elmore 
it was he changed a few things almost with Elmore's blessing. Yeah. Well, he he yeah. worked with him. He mm-hmm. he consulted with him. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to keep it mm-hmm. in the vein of Elmore. Yeah. And and he writes in the vein of right. Elmore. The book the uh, True Romance could have yes. easily been Elmore yeah. Leonard. Yeah. Uh which is a 1993 film by Tony Scott. Yeah. It's got like we should cover that one, even though it's right. not an Elmore Leonard, but Tarantino wrote it as an Elmore Leonard. As an Elmore Leonard story. story. Detroit. Um, there's Detroit. <laughs> and they go to Hollywood. They go to which, Hollywood and stuff. Florida. Which, that's where Tarantino yeah. took Jackie Brown. Yeah. You know, so yeah. you know, that's understandable. That's his turf. Right. You can know it well. But um I was say something. Oh, in the book, actually, both Rum Punch and Switch. Um, the complexion of Ordell Roby and Louis Gara are almost the same. He's like a dark Italian. Yeah. Swarthy Mediterranean. Right. And Ordell Roby is actually a light skinned black right. man. So, and I think Louis is a little more ruthless. I mean, he does show a ruthless side when he's on the phone with Tim Robbins. Who, yeah, we haven't even talked about Tim Robbins. He was the perfect. That's right. He was dopey. Yeah. And suburban millionaire. You know, Hey, when I'm doing this, I'm working. Yeah. Coffee. You know, yeah. This is work. Off. Yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. And how affable he was under Melanie's scrutiny where she could just take over. She was like, right. here's, here's what you have to think about that. She did to Frank and Ordell. Yeah. She was like, that, so I thought that was pretty, I feel like that was like, she's in charge. Yeah. Like she's taking hold of all this. So that's a different take on Melanie mm-hmm. than later. in. Jamie yeah. Because Brown. she is, um, the Bridget Fonda. Yeah. From the looks it's, she's a blonde surfer girl that just gets high. Right. And can be used by Ordell and whatever his like plans are for jobs and things like that. But very little, she's not taking the initiative. She's not taking over. No. Well, she planned. Eventually, does. she planned yeah. to rip them off. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's good. Maybe, yeah. maybe in, uh, in like head canon, it's like we in Life of Crime, that's the, that's the real Melanie. And that maybe after some time, she is just trying to like, keep it low key and bide her time till there's a big score to kind of like go back to her. Yeah, yeah kind of for sure. Yeah. Her scheme, like her ability to them. Yeah. Yeah. Every indication in that, that, that he's in trouble with Walker and yeah. closing in on him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was good. I, I didn't recognize the um, director who wrote and directed. Right, he only did a few down. things. Yeah, I forgot who it was, but I should do my homework. But it was um, a Daniel Schechter, S C H E C H T E R, and it was like yeah, written and directed by. Right, he did a few things, but I feel like he got it. He must have been an, a fan, almost Tarantino level yeah, fan i i really like that he hewed close to the book yeah although it's difficult to make a good movie yeah yeah from those books you have to tweak them for film i yeah. really believe yeah that. and you're dealing out of sight yeah which could be called the best one okay you know uh was was close to the book but not okay <laughs> you know yeah 
um, with all the input from producers, they yeah. get to change it and, and rearrange it. So this was made in 2013. This was filmed in 2013. That's, that's Michigan film credit yeah. era. Yeah. So that, that had to be filmed. Here. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I know we should have uh, checked the credits. We should have checked that out. Yeah. yeah. We have homework. Yeah. Because we might have known some of the people. Right. That made it. Yeah. Gaffers and best Worked boys on, and yeah. electricians, carpenters. Guys, yeah. riggers. Um, they gave Elmore Leonard executive producer at the very end. So he had passed away. Right. Then. That's a trend now, though. Okay. That's kind of like, well, a lot of these especially the limited series that you see now uh, on streaming uh, deals, uh, almost always the star is the executive producer. Mm -hmm. Well, that's to sweeten the pot. Yeah. You're only going to get six episodes. You get so much an episode, but we'll make you executive producer. So now you get that credit mm -hmm. uh, money stream coming into mm -hmm. you on the replays. Yeah. Cause they do replay them. Yeah. They're not just one-offs. Yeah. Uh, so, so this one felt, more like an homage. This was, yeah. you know, let's let's throw that a state of bone a yeah. almost. But, but that's it was a, also, I mean, in the credits, they did say like for El, for um, Elmore. Okay. Oh, like at the, the very end? They dedicated they included it. included that. Oh. Yeah, it was like dedicated to, mm -hmm. to Elmore. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, sweet. Yeah, I'm, I was ple pleasantly surprised. So if you want a good... Elmore Leonard book slash movie treatment. Mm -hmm. uh, Life of Crime. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. If you want to get the real feeling of yeah. how he wrote. Right. And if you want, yeah, like it has to be a comedy from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, like it has to it's be. like with Will Forte's <laughs> character <laughs> is <laughs> the Nazi character guy. Yeah. All of them are yeah, like part of that been. Elmore. They're not quite all there. Yeah. <laughs> They're just shy of having it. And even, even the end of the movie, the ending kind of ends on a, uh, like an unspoken punchline of like they, they'd sit around like, oh, well, we have to like use someone else for our next, you know, kidnapping and ransom. And they right. all just yeah. look at Melanie. Like Jennifer yeah. Aniston's character becomes in on it. Or like part, right. part of the gang. Part of the gang. Yeah, yeah. And I because wonder she, if she, she is able to have a relationship with Lewis at all. Because, like, it seemed they were spending some time together, but, like, it was probably ended more as, like, a friendship, business partnership after that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, they're just teasing that. Is like, because they also, like, because Melanie ends up with Ordell later on. So, like, maybe it's a, like, after they kidnap someone, they end up, not maybe following through all the way and they just kind of befriend or at least work with their uh the person they kidnapped Chris Ortella and yeah Ellen yeah together and she's she's you know she's not in her element hanging out with them she has a kid as well so and I remember there's a lot of talk about tennis in the book not not like Casino Royale um card descriptions but i think there's a lot more scenes with Bo complaining about tennis and but there i guess there was a good amount of tennis that's kind of like the central part of like describing her world at the beginning right before she's, she gets kidnapped right she's involved uh, with her son's 
tennis. The dad was a golf guy. Right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. This hits all the spots. Check it out. Um, I think that does it. Uh, if you have any more to add, Drew? Uh, no, no. It was just like that ending. Uh, I just like the look that they all just like turn towards the camera and turn towards Melanie and just, uh, and then that's how it ends. I, I do enjoy that. Like it, I don't feel it was setting up for a sequel. It was just like, a, I just enjoy like in your yeah. head, the story yeah. can continue without needing another movie for it. Right. But you do have an, another movie. Right. <laughs> I mean, not like immediately with uh, the kidnapping of Melanie. But it was yep. just, yeah. we get a continuation, right. you know, some, you know, 20 years later. Cool. Yeah. I like it. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, everyone, to uh, episode two, uh, Life of Crime, uh, of the Elmore Leonard's podcast. Uh, so uh, like and subscribe if you like it. 